0: So it was confirmed yesterday, completely confirmed yesterday, that the SEC still owns college football. Welcome into the live stream. I'm Michael I'm Glad that you guys are with me. I wasn't really planning on talking Alliance today. I did a little bit of it yesterday after I talked about Jameis' domination of the Jags on Monday night, but that press conference warranted conversation. I had to do it, I had to talk about it because that press conference. The whole, we're scared of the SEC and ESPN press conference, which, by the way, aired on an ESPN-owned property in the PAC-12 network, or excuse me, the ACC network, also aired on the PAC-12 network, but nobody gets it. Uh, it only it, it only proved how weak they really are, even together. And so I couldn't help, after some of the things that were said, to talk about it today. I, I just I couldn't help it. I mean, there was so much that that we all saw coming. If you listened to this yesterday, you knew what was coming. But yesterday afternoon's announcement really just showed uh, how terrified of the SEC these conferences really are. And they are so scared of it that they've got no direction. And the only thing they're really going to try to do is possibly delay playoff expansion. And that is bad for the total health of college football so I'll tell you what they said and why it matters or really why it doesn't matter and why it showed that the SEC is still very much in charge also the all SEC teams came out yesterday that coaches all SEC teams one Mississippi State player on it and there was four old Miss players for whatever it's worth but I saw a lot of people yesterday say that uh, you know they're being disrespected or underappreciated or something like that. And to that degree, I certainly understand because somebody like Emmanuel Forbes, for example, not being on one of the first three teams seems like a pretty significant oversight. But uh, between getting picked last in the preseason in the West and then this all SEC team not having but Charles Cross on it, uh, where is this coming from and what you should think about that? If I've got time this morning, I think I will. I'll get to that as well. Real quick, I do want to remind you, though, subscribe on YouTube. Just search my name, Michael Borky, on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube, and if you like what you hear physically, like the video. Also, follow on Twitter and Facebook, and wherever you get your podcast, Mike, in the morning, we'll do do the job and leave a rating and a review. So we learned yesterday that the SEC is clearly in control. The alliance between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC The three commissioners got up on a Zoom call that aired on the Pac-12 network. Again, a thing that nobody can watch uh, because nobody can get it. Uh, The ACC network, which is owned by ESPN, and the Big Ten network, and they took questions from reporters and said a whole lot of stuff. So if you didn't watch it, because why would you? And I encourage you not to because it would be a big fat waste of your time. That's what you have me for. I watch stuff like this and will tell you what I see on that. So you don't have to. The first thing, the most outstanding thing and outstanding, not in a good way, but the thing that stood out the most uh, was that these three don't have any kind of a contract. There's no formal agreement at all. And there's no plans to reach a formal agreement at all here. I'll actually find the quote for you as well. Um, There is no signed contract. There is an agreement among three gentlemen and a commitment from 41 presidents and chancellors and 41 athletic directors to do what we say we're going to do. They also use the phrase, we looked each other in the eye. Yeah, so this, this alliance, this uber important college football saving alliance has no agreement. No signed contract of any kind, and there won't be one. But three guys shook hands and said, hey, we're on the same page, and this is all we need because we need gentlemen in the game or something like that. Oh, boy. Um, Because those three conferences are definitely innocent in the college football expansion conversation. That's what makes all of this so rich and why some people, including a columnist at the athletic can't quite see the hypocrisy in all of this. So these guys have a college football saving gentleman's agreement in place without actually putting pen to paper and having a formal agreement or a plan of any kind. That was the theme of yesterday. They don't have any kind of a plan. They, they said nothing. They have nothing. There was no agreement. I mean, You know, no wonder they don't have a formal agreement because they have nothing that they can even like agree on and sign paperwork on because they have no plan. But um, pretending like these conferences are innocent in the playoff expansion thing is just adorable, honestly. I mean, if the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma is such an egregious act, then why did the Big Ten add Rutgers and Maryland and Nebraska? <clears> hmm. <throat> why did the Pac-12 add Utah? Why did the ACC expand? The ACC basically folded the Big East. Folded it. Where did Miami come from? And what happened to the conference that Miami was in? So if we're going to say the SEC's big, bad SEC for expanding, then what the hell happened to the Big East? Where where did that go? Uh, where did the Big East go? And tell me again that you guys are all about integrity and academics and the SEC's big and bad and trying to expand and ruin the sport, when the Big Ten added Rutgers only so they could charge people in New Jersey more to watch their games. You, you want to tell me about integrity and how it's only the SEC that's doing college football wrong? Give me a break. Um, so, so that was the biggest takeaway. One is just the, the open hypocrisy. Just right in your face, the blatant hypocrisy in that some people in my business have fallen victim to. I mean, the, the column in The Athletic that I read was just laughable. I, all of these leagues did this. All of them have done this in the past, and they will probably do it again. Uh, anyway, so no contract, no agreement of any kind. There's really no plan to agree to. They're just gentlemen that are going to look each other in the eyes and hold themselves at their word because we know in major college athletics that really means something. Um, They claimed that they're not focused on revenue while also talking about their television partners. Like we said yesterday, this is all about revenue. They are hiding behind a veil of BS and claiming it's not about money when it's exclusively about money. The ACC doesn't want to save college football. The ACC wants to make sure that they can get a bunch, a bunch of money that they currently aren't getting. Uh, This quote from Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, I, I think it's just hilarious. Quote, we need to make sure we have shared values. Keep academics first. We keep our integrity, our honor, and our collaboration together. That's the commissioner of the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten conference where Penn State for decades kept Jerry Sandusky and his actions under wraps because it might disrupt the football program. Michigan State, Larry Nassar, kept him under wraps for decades for the sake of sports. That Big Ten. Talking about academics first and integrity and honor and Penn State and Michigan State exist in your conference. Ohio State had to fire a coach relatively recently because of NCAA trouble. And and that's really what you you want to talk about. Rutgers came from the now basically defunct Big East especially in football. Maryland also is a new addition to your conference. Nebraska is a new addition to your conference. You expanded. Why was it okay when you did it? And you can't pull the integrity card when you have Michigan State and Penn State in your conference. I'm sorry. And nobody should hear that and actually believe it, but some people do. Nobody should, but, but some people do. And also, by the way, if Texas and Oklahoma, who were not poached by the SEC, They were leaving the Big 12. The television contract was up. They wanted to go somewhere else to make more money. They sense that the Big 12 is slipping behind. They reached out to the SEC first. The SEC said okay, which is exactly what the Big 10 would have done. If Texas and Oklahoma would have called Kevin Warren and said, we want to join your league, Texas and Oklahoma would be getting ready to play in the Big 10 now. Same thing with the Pac-12, same thing with the ACC. No doubt about it. Anybody pretending like that is not what would have happened if they could have gone to the Pac-12, the Pac-12 would have taken them in a heartbeat. But the SEC was their first option for a reason. Um, Here's the kicker, though, the biggest issue that I have with all of this crap. Uh, Most of it is nothing, right? The scheduling thing is nothing. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, It not having a signed contract is just hilarious. I mean, that's a joke. Pretending to care about integrity and academics and honor or whatever—that's all a joke. Uh, But this is actually a problem. They are not, or they are wanting to delay essentially the expansion of the college football playoff. Jim Phillips, the uh, a not AD, the commissioner of the ACC, said uh, they are on record as not supporting an expanded twelve-team playoff as currently proposed. Here's the quote. There are issues at the margins. We haven't made a final decision. We are a big believer in being methodical. And here's the issue with that. If you're going to sit and cry wolf about the SEC ruining college football by adding two programs to their league and doing nothing else, then what you should do in your position is support expansion of the playoff and do it as soon as humanly possible and if I were programs within the ACC or the other two I would be furious because that's not the message I want if I'm the athletic director at Virginia Tech I'm saying wait hold on what whoa 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 what are you what are you saying you don't want to expand the playoff what happens if I have a nine and three football team Oh, I get to go to the Belk Bowl. That's great. I'd rather play in the playoff. Why are you delaying this when it would help us? That that would be my position. I swear, if I'm the athletic director at North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, uh, Oregon, those kind of places that have been there but not quite gotten over the hump. Like, Wisconsin's been there. They're a really good team. A 12-team playoff gets Wisconsin in all the time, almost annually. It is one of the most stable programs in all of college football, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump. 12-team playoff gets Wisconsin in all the time, all the time. If I'm the athletic director at Wisconsin, I think it's still Barry Alvarez, right, or did he step aside? Either way, I'm calling Kevin Warren and saying, no, wait, hold the hell on. That is not a unified message that you put out there yesterday. If I'm the athletic director at Virginia Tech, what are you talking about? I want to expand as soon as possible. And by the way, the ACC is especially interesting because the whole delay component is to make sure that their television partners can negotiate rights for the playoff. Well, the ACC is in bed with ESPN until the mid-2030s. They're their exclusive rights dealer. So if I'm the AD at Virginia Tech, what, what the hell are you guys doing? What are you doing? ESPN's our partner. ESPN owns the rights to the playoffs. Don't delay this. I want to make it because right now my program can't make it. If I'm North Carolina, the same thing. I want to make the playoff. Right now I can't. Clemson's in the way. What are you doing? This is, sorry, there's a bug flying around here. Driving me nuts. Um, That should not be a unified message from even within those three leagues. And that's not good for the overall health of college football. I've talked here and on the radio many times about um, why expansion is good for the overall health of the game. We have a serious issue with parity, which is something that apparently these three can't see. When Clemson and Ohio State, out of the 41 teams or whatever, In these three conferences, only those two are actually making it to the playoff and participating. The expanded playoff is great for the overall health of the game. It would at least provide the illusion of parity. It would create more meaningful games later in the season across the board. It would definitely help the Pac-12. It would definitely help the Big Ten. It would definitely help the ACC, but it would also help the Conference USA. It would help the AAC. It would not necessarily help the SEC, although now Texas and Oklahoma, hell, maybe the league will get six teams into the playoff at this point. But Greg Sankey wrote the proposal not to help his league. He'll he'll tell you openly. What conference has gotten more more powerful and stronger since the playoff era began? It's the SEC. What conference has won more championships? The SEC. SEC. What conference has gotten more teams into the playoff as it's currently formatted? The SEC. What conference signed the most lucrative television deal in college football history? The SEC. So by delaying this, you're only contributing to the current power that they have. They're owning college football right now. Their footprint has more five stars than the rest of the country combined, as I told you about, I think, yesterday maybe Monday, uh, they have more eyeballs on games than anybody else in the country. Their attendance is higher than anywhere else in the country, and they're getting stronger by having the fourteen team playoff exist. And you're going to delay expansion, and you're only going to help the SEC even more because of this. And I'm not convinced. People talk about voting power and stuff. Like I said yesterday, I'm still not convinced. That anybody else will side with them, honestly. Because now the Big Twelve is what whatever is left of it is has been left out of this. I mean, they were asked about it yesterday, and they said something like, Oh, Power Five Sports needs the Big Twelve, and you know, we support them and we think that all, all that kind of lip service, well, then why aren't they in your special alliance? Why didn't you call them and include them on this? Um Yeah, they may have votes. Even if it's unified, which it shouldn't be, but even if it is, from not a majority of program schools, whatever you want to call it. I think they are very much panicking. Very much panicking. And that's yesterday is what panic looks like. No direction. No plan, uh, no formal agreement. They just kind of want to kick and scream at the SEC and pretend like they care about academics and integrity when their past actions and some of their member institutions tell you they couldn't care less about it. And so the only thing they're really going to do is possibly delay expansion, which just hurts themselves in college football as a whole and will further make the SEC more powerful. And just like I predicted yesterday, by the way, the whole scheduling idea there's no direction for that. They have no idea when that's going to start because a lot of these schools have contracts with SEC schools until the 2030s. So, and on top of that, uh they're not going to restrict each other from playing the SEC. So like Clemson, South Carolina still on, Georgia, Georgia Tech still on. So What exactly did they accomplish yesterday other than showing that they're scared, they're panicking, they have no direction. The SEC is more powerful than it's ever been. I bet Greg Sankey, if he's a drinker, poured a glass of whiskey while watching that press conference yesterday in his office and just kind of laughed. The SEC has been nothing but pragmatic, especially last year. You remember when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 tried to cancel college football last year and the SEC saved it? Um they've been nothing but pragmatic. Everything has been measured, done with a purpose, and yesterday was everything but that. It was chaotic it was didn't make any sense. there was no direction, there was no goals i mean there were they didn't even state any goals like it was a waste of time but They showed you how weak they really are and how scared of the SEC that they really are. And for good reason. I mean, the SEC controls college football, and apparently it will continue. And like I said yesterday, if I'm the the commissioner of the Conference USA, I'm on the phone with Greg Sankey and saying, hey, Greg, after watching that, you tell me how to vote. I'm in. I'm with you. If I'm the commissioner of the AAC, I call Greg Sankey. Hey, Greg. I'm in if I'm Jeremy McClain, the athletic director at Southern Miss, I'm calling my commissioner and saying the SEC needs to be who we follow here. Not not those guys, because the SEC's direction will get us the expanded playoff. And we want that. So please go make that happen. If I'm the athletic director at Clemson, I'm furious, furious. I mean, that was an embarrassment yesterday. They should be embarrassed. With how that went yesterday, and if I'm the athletic director at Ohio State, I'm embarrassed. I mean, what what are you doing? Do you think, honestly, this is going to elevate our league at all? JP says Conference USA commissioner isn't that confident. Well, then maybe McLean can get him because Jeremy McLean is very much competent and then some. Um, maybe he can you know move that needle some because Southern Miss and programs like Southern Miss want. They should want playoff expansion, need playoff expansion, and should do everything they can to get it done right away. So push that envelope, Um, if I were them. Push that envelope. Uh, That's really what it comes down to. They showed how powerful the SEC really is yesterday. And if I'm the AD at Ohio State and Clemson, I'm embarrassed. If I'm at Wisconsin or Virginia Tech or a program like that that can make the playoff that just hasn't yet because it's not big enough, I'm. I am wondering what the holdup is, especially the programs in the ACC who have locked into their television deal until the 2030s. Uh, Boy, that was embarrassing. And again, I I have a feeling Greg Sankey, if he's a drinker, poured himself a glass of whiskey and just laughed yesterday. Um, Because he owns them. (laughs) He just owns them. It's uh, it's pretty tough. Randall says, are we now at the point where the SEC has a big brother, little brother relationship with the other conferences? Uh, in a good way, they should, moving forward, have one with Conference USA, Sunbelt, and the AAC. If I'm those three conferences, I want a relationship with the SEC. Don't do the alliance thing, and they don't have to. But I- I'm talking to my member institutions and saying, hey, guys, you know, I know a lot of them already have the SEC on their schedule anyway, but Let's work with them. Let's work with them because they'll pay us more money anyway for these buy games and their direction makes a lot more sense. So in that case, a big brother, little brother relationship is a good thing when you're talking about specifically those three leagues. But it's more like father-son relationship with the alliance and the SEC because the alliance right now is the kid at the store who really wants that toy he saw on the shelf? But dad said no, and they're kicking and screaming and carrying on and getting everybody to look at him. But dad is still saying no, and dad's in control, and he's got the credit card, and that toy's not getting bought. That's what this feels like. So, I mean, I guess that's splitting hairs, Randall. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. It's it's a father son relationship, and the son right now is kicking and screaming and carrying on and, and acting like a child while. The father is doing the right thing and being pragmatic and not caving to the ridiculousness. That's uh, that's what that is. So um, I'd be embarrassed. Honestly, I would. And we'll see. I mean, this story, what the, the funny thing about this and no news cycle lasts many days anyway, but the timing of this is terrible. College football starts in a couple of days, three days, and then this gets buried forever. This gets buried. And Randall, I, I do agree. I, I don't think it should be like the Alliance or whatever, but I think a, a defined relationship with the group of five, I think it's a good idea for the group of five, for sure. Um, if I'm those three leagues, like I mentioned, I, I, I might even consider banding together and, and doing something like that uh, in partnership or collaboration with the SEC. Like, hey, you give us these bye games and we'll vote with you. I'd consider that if I'm Greg Sankey. Yeah, sure. Hey, well shoot, we play you guys anyway. So why not? Hey, if it you know, if we encourage our teams, hey, play somebody from the Sun Belt instead of somebody from the WAC or whatever, cool. It makes no difference to them. So yeah. yeah. No, I, I would definitely consider that. I would I would approach that if I were those three leagues for sure and see if there's anything that the SEC would be willing to do as far as voting together or whatever. Uh, because Greg Sankey is very clearly, I know some people around here don't like him. I understand why, certainly, and I've had my displeasures, especially with the flag thing, did not like how that was handled. But uh, it's very clear in college football. One person in position of leadership is pragmatic, is measured, and carries a big freaking stick when he needs to use it. Uh, Speaks awfully, carry a big stick. That is Greg Sankey in college football. That's who I would be wanting to attach myself to not Kevin Warren or, or or the ACC or the big 12. No shot right now. Turning the page. Sam says caught a small bit of the radio show yesterday. What did Oxford do that had Richard so worked up mask mandate? Will that be enforced on campus? So yeah, he was fired up yesterday. Uh, they, the, the city council or board of aldermen or whatever they're called up there. Uh, put in place a mask mandate with some uh, exceptions, I guess. And so you have to wear one indoors. Uh, churches are an exception. And also, if you're standing up at a bar or restaurant or have a drink in your hand, something like that. Um. So essentially, what can happen is if you are at the library, packed shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of other people, you don't have to have your mask on if you're actively drinking, which is what you do at a bar. Uh, But if you go into like a a little boutique on the square, you've got to have one on. Um, No, it will not affect campus or the stadium for whatever that's worth. But I said this yesterday. If your hospital is so crowded that you're afraid uh, of even one more patient, which is what they said at the meeting yesterday, it's so crowded, and and we've got that all over the state. There are crowded hospitals everywhere. If that is the case, then a mandate like this won't do anything if you're allowing bars to still be packed shoulder to shoulder and people don't have to have their mask on. What, what, What good is a mandate that doesn't mandate anything in terms of a large crowd in inside at a bar. If you're so worried about the hospitals being stressed, why are you letting crowds be crowds instead of doing something like this, which really when you unpack it, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's what he was worked up about yesterday. And I, I understand it. I mean, I, I'm i not in a, a mask mandated place although you're starting to see them pop up at individual businesses more and more. Um, I'm double vast. So, you know, I, I don't wear one much at all anymore. Um, but I certainly understand the frustration because what's the point, you know, if you're really worried about your hospital and in its capacity, why are you letting crowds be crowds, especially when that crowd is exempt because they have a drink in their hand. That's it's just kind of what's the point. And so that's what he was fired up about yesterday. Um, what is the point? If you're going to let a crowd be a crowd and allow them to be exempt because they're holding a drink, then what's the point? Um, anyway, anyway, for whatever that's worth, I- I've had a handful of people ask if something like what's happening at LSU is going to happen here. And I don't foresee that being the case. I could be wrong. Things could change. I, I don't foresee that being. case here. I don't think the state is going to force them to do it. And I don't think the schools are going to do it. That's just me. I don't know. Things could change. Uh, We'll see. But I mean, we're inside of two weeks until the first home game in the state of Mississippi. and I think it's kind of too late. Um, I could be wrong. I don't foresee that happening. But uh, but I certainly could be wrong. Um, Hopefully we continue to get good numbers news moving forward. Uh, vaccine numbers are shooting up. That's, a, that's wonderful news. Um, it's wonderful news. Um, we'll see if case numbers and hospitalizations go down. Apparently, there's a chance that they start doing that, so that's good. That's really good. Um, the all-SEC teams came out yesterday, and there was one Mississippi State player on first, second, or third team all-SEC. For whatever it's worth, Matt Corral was the first team All SEC quarterback. Jaron Ely was first team All Purpose. You had uh, nobody from either school on defense. Jaron Ely was also a uh, a return specialist on first team, so he was all purpose and return specialist first team. Charles Cross was second team offensive line for Mississippi State, and that's it for the Bulldogs. And then you had uh, Mac Brown, a punter, make it. And Jerry and Ely was also third team running back along with Nick Broker. Uh, No Emmanuel Forbes, which I think he's an NFL player. Uh, That's been the most glaring omission in all of this in the media's poll that came out around media days was anybody from the secondary uh, for Mississippi State not getting any recognition uh, whatsoever? Uh, That's bizarre. That's the that's the thing that I will certainly defend for Mississippi State fans. That doesn't make any sense to me. I understand why Jaden Wally's not there. I think by the end of the season he could be there. I think he's a future star. But he hadn't proved it enough consistently compared to other receivers in the SEC. So I get his omission. Uh, I think by the end of the year you'll look back and think, "Damn, he should have been there," but I get why he's not. That makes that's easily explainable, makes perfect sense. Uh, Charles Cross is more of a projection than anything else, but a lot of people think that he's got first-round potential, like he's that kind of an athlete. So I I certainly would have selected him uh, myself. The secondary doesn't make any sense. Not having at least Emmanuel Forbes on there just doesn't make sense. He needs to be on there. Um, But when you pair this, just one player on the all-SEC teams, with – the predicted order of finish, which is last in the SEC West, a lot of state fans are wondering, you know, what did we do to earn such disrespect? You know, why is this team being disrespected? And Brian Haydad's media poll that he put out there uh, showed that there are some people that cover the team that are extremely high on this team. So that that probably is a reflection of the fans as well. Some people think that, you know, I've heard from state fans that think it's an eight win team this year. Uh, I've even had some say that they think that they can win nine. Um, this is coming from a place though, of what, you know, and although yes, they played well at Georgia last year and yeah, the offense was better against Ole Miss, but remember how bad Ole Miss defensively was, um, those were two losses. I mean, they beat Missouri and they won a bowl game against Tulsa in the rain that very few people watched. And most people only remember the fight that occurred after, um, they've got to prove it. I don't think it's so much disrespect as people only saw last season from thirty thousand feet, aren't really applying as much context as as we are around here to what happened last year, and are just expecting it to not be much better than that. You know, it, it can be spun in many different ways, and I contribute to that. I spin it myself. Transition year, COVID year, completely new system, new philosophy, a roster that wasn't built to run the system. There was only one person in this state that was telling you guys going into last season that there's a real chance that the team is quite bad. And I got labeled a bunch of stuff, especially on message boards. Uh, But there was only one person willing to tell the truth then, and it was me. Uh, That, all of that that happened last year is being looked at from 30,000 feet. There's no nuance applied to it. And so they saw... Team that struggled, couldn't score, only won three games, and they're just directly applying that to this year. I don't know if it's disrespect as much as it is, they got to prove it. Same thing with the Ole Miss defense. You know, you got people predicting nine wins. Now, I've got to see it first before I go down that road. Offensively, they can play with anybody in the country, really. But until they show, actually prove that they're better defensively, I'm not going to tell you they're winning nine games this year, i got to see it first. got to prove it to me. That's why Ole Miss was left unranked. I I think you can make an argument that they should have been ranked, especially ahead of somebody like Coastal Carolina, for example, but there is prove it in there. Yeah, the the team's fun. Lane Kiffin's fun. But you gave up 40 points a game. You were the second-worst defense in SEC football history last year. Prove it, or else it's all you are. Same thing applies here. People are wondering why the Mississippi State's being disrespected. I don't think it's disrespect. I think it's more of, you got to prove it to me. You got to prove to me you're going to be better than Arkansas. Arkansas beat you last year on the road. Got to prove it first. That's all that is. I don't think it's disrespect as much as it is. They got to prove it. And they'll certainly have an opportunity to do just that this year. The secondary piece doesn't make any sense, but. It's not disrespect. I I wouldn't take it as that. You just, the team's got to prove it. And I think that, you know, I think that they will, but that's all projection. What do you know about them? It's a team that's got a lot to prove this year. And, uh, we're not too terribly long away from that opportunity. So what's awesome about the schedule for Mississippi State is We'll find out in week two. We'll find out week two. We'll know two weeks in what kind of team this is and how improved they are. Um, Wayne's asking, does MSU have to sit out players regarding the fight in the bowl game? Um, Do they have to? I mean, I guess the league could hand down a suspension, I suppose. Um, I'll just say this. I won't be surprised if everybody plays. Even the guy that kicked another guy in the face and ran away and then talked about it on Instagram Live in the locker room after the game. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. I just, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it, it's easier to make that call when it's Louisiana tech. Right. But you know, if I were Mike Leach, Malik Keith would not be playing at least in week one and his summer would have been hell. So anyway, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Michael Borky on YouTube, find me on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and uh, like the video. I'd appreciate that. And, um, Also, find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. My name or Mike in the morning will turn up results. Uh, I got this ready. I'll show you guys, actually. Um, So what I'll do, this isn't much. I made very slight alterations to the overlay, but just kind of to show you what my plans are. Uh, Pre-game show for Saturday mornings once the season begins in earnest. I won't do one this Saturday. I'll I'll start it like on the real uh, start of the season. And then here's the Saturday night one. Not bad, right? I think it's okay. It's just slight alterations. I could adjust it even more. I might actually do the whole neon effect on everything. We'll see. Uh, But yeah, those are are the plans. Uh, I'm, you know, graphic design is my passion. I literally added one phrase there and then a couple lines through in the morning and put after dark there. You know, really clever and creative I am. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to get started two weeks from now, so subscribe. Don't want to miss it. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Don't have to do it. i on Down on this! Kill him! Oh. 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 A Super Talk, Mississippi oh. Media Production.